This is a Lip Media Podcast. Hi everyone. My guest today is Kath Wood, who has been an egg donor and also a surrogate. For a couple in Brisbane called Ben and Terry, Kath carried both of Ben and Terry's children. In 2018, she gave birth to their daughter Ivy and earlier this year, she gave birth to their second daughter Maeve. Kath, Ben and Terry are going to be on a special episode by SBS's The Feed that's coming out on Tuesday the 29th of September called Surrogacy in the Time of COVID. So check that out on SBS and if you miss it on the 29th, you can also catch it on SBS On Demand. Kath and I talk about the process of being a surrogate, what it feels like, what your body goes through, what your mind goes through and how it affects the people around you. This is a fascinating conversation for me and you can tell that I'm a little bit out of my depth. This is a topic I don't know much about. So for this conversation, I focused more on listening and asking questions than my usual conversational style. So you might notice that today's episode is a bit more interview style. But I honestly got to learn so much and it was something that made me think for a long time afterwards. I'm still processing. We had some technical glitches and so this episode had to be recorded on Zoom. So the sound quality is not good. I'm so sorry, you're going to have to just endure a little bit of up and down and distortion. But it's worth sticking with it because this conversation is absolutely fascinating. This podcast is produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. This is Amrutha and you're listening to Heckin' Concerned Podcast. I've just been listening to your story and 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 watching some of the uh, some of the footage from the SBS program that's coming up mm-hmm. on the 29th and I'm so moved. I what you've done is amazing. Thank you. So Ben and Terry's second baby is um her name is Maeve. Yeah. That's right. I just actually saw your Instagram um, called Making Another Berry and <laughs> documented your journey. And it's so adorable. And I was so impressed also to learn that there's actually like, a, like you got so much love and support from your surrogate sisterhood of other people across Australia who've been surrogates. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a, there's a great community of surrogates um, out there who are um, intending to be surrogates or have been surrogates. So um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful community. I would have been lost without them, I think. So before you started this journey, did you know anyone else who had done it? Yeah, only because I'd been an egg donor for so long. So uh, amongst the egg donors, there were other people who had gone on to be surrogates. Uh, so that's what led me to it. I thought, oh, that's what I'll just, I'll do that next as well. What inspired you to become an egg donor and then a surrogate? Um, initially, I didn't know that it was something that you could do. Um, and when I was pregnant with my son, I read an ad in the paper uh, from a lady looking for an egg donor. So that sort of surprised me. I thought, oh, I could, I could do that. That's something I could, I I could do and help somebody else have a baby. And just reading their stories and stuff um, about all the, all the things they've been through trying to conceive and all the struggles they'd been through. I thought, oh, if I can help them, I've got to. So yeah, that's what started me on egg donation. And then it just grew from there. And I just became part of that community and, um, yeah, let me to surrogacy. But then you go and go so far out of your comfort zone to help a stranger. That's just amazing. It takes a special kind of person, I think, to do that. 
Oh, I think it takes us, it takes a lot of guts to be that person who needs help to ask for help. Like they're putting that part of them out there. It's such a private thing to go through and not be able to conceive or having fertility issues or in some cases cancer. And um, it's just, it's, a, it's a amazing that they've got the, the guts to go and put themselves out there and, and ask for help from a complete stranger. Um, and, and you get to know these people straight away. As soon as you contact them, um, they're sharing this part of their, their lives with you. And um, it takes a lot of trust to be able to do that. So I think I'm really lucky to be able to be able to help someone like that. It's such a pull, isn't it, for, for people to have their own children. Parenthood is, I'm, I've never been in the position to, um, to think about it myself. But of course, all around us, there are people that are heartbroken absolutely when they can't have their own children. That's right. Yeah. I think as a woman, you just assume, like, if that's something that you want, you just sort of assume that that's something that you, you can do later on, like, whenever you're ready, that, okay, I'm ready to have a family now, and that will just happen. So when it doesn't, I can't, I can't imagine um, what that would feel like. I was really blessed. Um, when I wanted to have a child, I was really lucky that I didn't have any complication. I was able to do that quite easily. But I know it's very, it's very hard for a lot of women to be able to conceive. But Carrying a, a child for someone else and going through the entire process, the pregnancy, the delivery, the physical and emotional distress to the body, it's a big commitment to undertake uh, to help somebody. And before you decided to do that, were you nervous that, uh, of how, how this would be different from your other two pregnancies? Yeah, I, I definitely was. There was always an aspect of um, nerves and a, a little bit scared of the, the risks, um, that were involved, but I don't know. I just think we push our bodies to such an extent with everything else that like lots of people do that. And I just, that's just another surrogacy is just another way of doing that. Just being able to help somebody is, it just over, it just takes over. It, and, and it's just such a joy. I get, I get a lot out of it myself. So um, all those, all the morning sickness and all the stuff that you go through with pregnancy and birth is just sort of wiped. Like you've been through that it's all part of it. And at the end of the day, it just makes it, it's all worth it. It kind of makes, you know, takes me back to this idea that it takes a village to raise a, a kid. And in this sense, you're contributing to your community in this way by being a surrogate and, and, and healthily carrying a baby and contributing to the welfare of a family and the emotional welfare of that child. Yeah. I, and I, hope, I hope that um, the, the girls appreciate it later on. Like appreciate my input and um their egg donors input and and are happy that they exist and go on to um you know outstanding citizens of our communities and and stuff so uh, yeah it is it is nice to know that that i've helped um contribute in that way i saw in the in the documentary the, the clip that i saw you mentioned that your mind knows rationally that the baby is somebody else's but the body responds in unpredictable ways sometimes um, yeah, it's quite amazing. Can you tell me about what you meant by the body response and how, what you've experienced? Sure. So, um, and we talked about this before you go into surrogates, before you get pregnant, go all through, through all that, you have a lot of um, in-depth counselling and the counselling explained it all to us. And I wasn't aware of it. I just thought, I'm ready. I'll just have this baby. I'll hand it over and I'll be fine. We'll go in our separate ways and we'll be fine. But she explained to us that, um, when you give birth, your body is expecting to, to nurture and, and provide for a baby. So when a baby's not there, your body goes through all these things, like you're making milk and 
um, and it and it's and it's fretting. You need it's used to having this baby. It's ready for, to provide for the baby. So in my circumstance, um, when I first had Ivy, I felt I knew that she wasn't mine. I was happy for the boys to take her, um, and I was looking forward to having my a full night's sleep without any crying baby. I was excited for that, but my body reacted differently in that it started to fret, like my milk started to come in and I was fretting and I felt really unsettled um, and distressed without knowing why. And it wasn't until they brought, brought her into Ivy into me and I, I smelt her and cuddled her and I realized, and I relaxed and I fell asleep and then Ivy fell asleep and I realized, Oh, that's what I needed. I needed just to see her and smell her and just that sort of primal thing. I don't know. It's, it was, it's really bizarre and quite interesting. And this time with Maeve, I just embraced that uh, and I wasn't scared of it. And we decided that um, I could breastfeed this time and um, I had lots of alone time with her um, just to sort of bond with her in that way, um, which is what my body needed. And it was, it was such a relief this time. I just embraced it and didn't suppress any emotions or feelings. Wow. This is something that I can't even imagine. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling so moved and privileged to be able to hear this experience of yours. Of oh, thank you. The hormones and the emotions and um, just the way that baby and mother's body. I'm sorry, is mother the right term to use for a surrogate? Um, not particularly. Um, people often say you're the surrogate mother because you've, you've carried it, carried the baby. I am the birth mother. Yeah, it's, it's a bit tricky. But yeah, just, yeah. Surrogate. <laughs> um, was this something that w- was this something that you had to prepare your family for, your kids and your partner as well? Well, my partner and I don't live together, so um, I, I parent singly. Um, so I, and my kids, my teenager, he doesn't care. Everything is just well, doesn't if it doesn't include involve him. He, he, you know, he's okay. My daughter though, um, she became quite attached and was really excited about the pregnancy and excited about the baby that was coming and. And I was actually a little bit concerned that she might get attached and want the baby to come and live with us. But yeah, she, she just took it in her stride and was really happy um, to meet her. It was more sort of protective of me. The first pregnancy with Ivy, obviously without COVID and stuff, my kids were able to come visit me in hospital as soon as I had the baby, which was great. And I was able to use those maternal instincts that I had for the baby um, and just direct them onto my kids. So I felt just more of a mum to them. Like I just wanted, I just got a lot of comfort from cuddling them. Whereas this time um, I didn't see my kids until four days after the birth, which was distressing for my daughter. But yeah, it was a little bit trickier. So and she, she wanted to see the baby obviously and, and give me cuddles. And yeah, so it was a bit of a different situation, but yeah, she, she just took it in a stride. She was really, really happy. This is all, this yeah. whole thing is, challenging as it is and then you add COVID to it and there was a time when you thought you might have to care for the baby because Ben and Terry couldn't come and 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 take her and you were worried about the emotional upheaval of that. Yeah correct so um, we, we were scared that they wouldn't be able to come because of the restrictions and the flights being cancelled and stuff but also the hospital were putting restrictions on us as well and saying that um, I would need to care for the baby uh, for up to four days after the birth which as a surrogate is um, quite scary because you're preparing yourself that this child's not yours. It's just a whole, the, the whole mental side of things is that this is not your child. You're putting up a barrier um, and you're handing this child over. So then to have to care for a, a baby that's not yours 
um, and be so close to it is just going to, oh, I don't know, I don't know what sort of repercussions that would have on a surrogate's um, mind and um, mental state. I just, I don't think that I would have coped. I'm not sure how I would have coped actually. I may, I may have been fine, but um, yeah, it just was quite distressing thinking about being in that position. Do you think that there's an added element of sadness for surrogates that are also egg donors because they've got a genetic link to... Yeah. Um, yeah, I do have a couple of friends who've been traditional surrogates. Um, and, I mean, it is the same for them. If they, they feel the same as me, like, about the, the child. There's not been no extra attachment. But for me personally, I think there may have been. I think it's been easier having these babies um, and they don't look anything like me um, or my children. It's easy to distinguish like their features um, and yeah, and see them as their father, their father's children. So that's been easy. I don't know how I would cope being a traditional. So I'm not sure that I could do that, go that far. Yeah. There's such a strong um, primal urge to preserve our genes and, and pass them on. We're so attached to the idea of something that shares some kind of genetic link to us. I really don't know how people do that either. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about emotional and physical changes in the body during and after pregnancy and how that might be specific for a surrogate. So for example, postpartum depression or any kind of um, physical a poor health or um, tearing or any of these things that happen to a lot of people. How do you, how do surrogates deal with that? And if that happens to you and then you don't at the result of that, you don't have that child. Um, how do you deal with, with the kind of sense of loss that comes with it? Yeah, that's actually a great question because it, it does happen. Um, firstly, when I had Ivy, um, because I didn't have a baby to look after, I came home um, and I just behaved as I would beforehand. So I just thought I could get back into my daily activities and, and do all the cleaning and run around after my kids. And I just had a cesarean. So after a week and the boys took the baby home, I went back to Queensland. I compl- my body just started to shut down um, and I got a really bad infection internally. I had to be hospitalised. I was in hospital for two weeks after that. So it was really scary. And not only that, there was also an aspect of that was the physical side of things. But then the emotional side is I didn't have a baby to look after. So I was, I came out of hospital. I was looking after my children, picking them up off, up from school. Everyone had seen me pregnant, but not necessarily knowing what I was doing. So there was always, always these questioning eyes like, Oh, where's the baby? Where's, you know, you've had this child. Um, and not only that, I felt like I felt yucky. Like I'd, I'd obviously put on weight and I felt, um, tired, just exhausted and run down, but I didn't have a baby. So I just, I, it was hard for me, to, for people to see what, what had happened. Like, so if I'd had a baby with me and looked that way, they'd go, Oh, she's had a baby. Obviously she's tired and you know, she's just had a newborn, but I'm, I'm presenting myself this way, but with no um, real reason. And there's lots of questions. And it just made me feel a bit awkward. This time um, I was a lot, um, nicer to myself and more aware. Um, so after hospital, I went and stayed with the boys and the, and their daughters um, in their Airbnb for a week so I could breastfeed and bond and see them bonding and um, let them take care of me a little bit. I was aware of the, the emotional like baby blues, like you get baby blues after about three days. 
Um, and I went home and my partner came with me and I didn't suppress any emotions. And I was really honest and open about how I was feeling. And honestly, I just cried. There were, I got home and I just cried and cried and I couldn't stop. And my partner was so supportive and just held me. That's all you can do. Like it just, it's just the body releasing all those hormones, I guess. Um, and the next day I woke up and I felt great. Like I felt so much better and went and had a cuddle of the baby and yeah, I felt, I felt really good after that, but yeah, it's, it is a roller coaster. It's such an emotional and physical roller coaster and you just can't prepare yourself for that. Wow. So. And you know, kudos to your family for being so supportive and sensitive in this time. Um, yeah. And it's really good. Like what you described the second time around for Maeve, that you could actually have that sense of closure and a, a gradual transition out of the process of having given birth rather than abruptly sort of. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sure that when you're already tired and exhausted from having just had a baby, uh, you, the last thing you want to do is just keep telling everyone, oh no, that, you know, I'm a surrogate. No, that wasn't my baby. Like the, the emotional toll of just telling people who don't know and answering their curious questions must've been like hell. That's right. And you don't even, sometimes you don't even get that opportunity. Like, so some, like obviously the parents that are new at the school um, or the teachers who who I felt comfortable to talk to about that um, beforehand, they all knew, but there's parents or the, even like the lollipop man, like you see every day, you're not necessarily going to say, Oh, I'm a surrogate. I'm having this baby for someone else. There's always those people or, you know, just even your neighbors, for example, or the person at the supermarket. So there's always these people looking at you going, Oh, hang on a second. You were pregnant what's happened and yeah it's just a bit awkward it sounds like we need more just general awareness of in society of surrogacy and um just people talking about it yeah and yeah because it's just def- definitely not something that people know that you can do like i think people aren't aware of it and even when i was when i was pregnant and people and i'd feel comfortable and i'd share the story people were shocked and say oh i didn't know that was illegal or are you getting paid? You know, how much do you get paid to do that? So yeah, it's just, it's people just aren't aware. That was so interesting to me when I did some research and I found out that in Australia, actually it's altruistic surrogacy. So you can't be a commercial surrogate. And at the same time, I think some surrogates have experienced um, a lot of financial strain uh, because of that. So did you, were they, were there other sorts of such, complications for you did you did you have distress that apart from the physical and emotional was there any any other like red tape or we were really lucky um I think our relationship myself my relationship with Ben and Terry has been really open and honest um and we covered we covered everything in our counseling um and in just in conversations together beforehand um regards to all that so worst case scenario if I had morning sickness or I need to be hospitalized or bedridden for the duration of the pregnancy would they be able to cover the costs that would amount to like if would they cover my wages and all my medical costs worst case scenario and they said yes they were in a position they made sure they were in a position so they would they would be able to cover that worst case scenario which luckily didn't happen but um yeah like all like every little thing they've got to be prepared for maternity clothes um the boys um, forked out and got helped out with a cleaner while I was sick and wasn't able to do that. Um, meals and maternity clothes and loss of wages when I was too sick to go to work, all that sort of stuff. So I'm really lucky. I have heard some terrible stories, but I think it's just really important to be prepared and be open and honest and have those conversations beforehand. It sounds like 
you know, you're obviously a special person. And it sounds also like Ben and Terry were are special people that you would trust them to go through this journey with them a second time, especially after you had to, you know, you had a cesarean birth and there were complications as a result of which you had to go back to hospital the first time. So what is special about them that you felt, you know, connected to them to do it again? They're just one of a kind, honestly. Um, And I think I started chatting to Ben initially what 2016 we started chatting um, through the the forum and clicked straight away like I didn't want to stuff anybody around I wanted I'm a, I'm a very open and upfront person I straight away had I asked them all the hard questions and then they asked me the hard questions and we were open straight away so I really appreciated that they're just a really open honest just lovely couple uh and I class them as my best friends family now so I think I hope they feel the same way, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine life without them. So I'm really, and I've got a lot out of it. I'm just really thankful that I've had the opportunity to meet them and they trusted me to carry their daughters and it's brought us to where we are now. And what a great lesson in humanity for your kids and also for Ivy and Maeve to see that humans can connect in this way and trust each other, that they're good people in the world. Yeah. And that's, that's really important to me that I've passed this on to my kids and they've seen what you can do and the people out there that, that can, you can help each other and um, without expecting anything in return. And that's, that's a really important lesson. I think for anyone. Would you do it again? Be an egg donor or a surrogate? Oh, if I could, if my body allowed it a hundred percent, I'd give my uterus and my eggs to anybody who wanted them. <laughs> but look, yeah, I've, I've, I've had four children now, um, three cesareans. So I think, and I'm nearly 40. So I think, that's enough now. Yeah. I'm just, I think my job now is just to educate people about surrogacy in Australia and support other surrogates. So how, uh, what are you doing in, in regard to education and spreading awareness about this? Well, I think things like this, um, media stuff, talking to people, I'm in the Australian surrogacy uh, community. I support other surrogates, answering questions, um, even out in the community, just if I stock up a conversation, just putting them in, in contact with the correct people and informing them of their options in Australia. I think that's really important. SBS is going to air footage of the birth and also of the first meeting between baby Maeve and her parents. Was it weird to have like TV cameras there in this very intense and private moment yeah it was well they they were there um when we yeah we took Maeve home and um she met Ivy for the first time it was bizarre having the cameras there but kind of nice as well like it's going to be nice to have that documented for the girls for later on it just opens people's eyes up to what's available and you know what what else is happening in in our world today like there are positive things happening and um and positive stories and um people um, supporting one another and you know helping each other out so yeah I think it's really lovely to be part of that. What advice do you have for people who are um, considering becoming parents through surrogacy or people who are considering becoming surrogates? I think oh do your research and um, and just be really open and honest to the people um, and with your family and with the people um, you're thinking of donating to I think but definitely do it I think if, if you're ready to do that do it look into it and get all the facts and stuff um, and just make sure that you don't rush into it um, and just find the right people for you 
Thank you so much for, for joining me on Heck and Concerned and talking about this. It's, it's very private and it's brave of you to also make it public and talk about your experiences um, so that you could help others. And you're such a lovely and warm and positive person. I mean, I can just, I feel really happy that so many kids around you have the benefit of that energy coming out of you. Oh, thank you. That's really lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Ned Fulmer. I'm Ariel. We're from the Try Guys, and we have a new podcast called Baby Steps. It's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect. We just had a newborn, baby Finn. I got pooped on. Ariel has pink eye. <laughs> I don't have a big guy. <laughs> we talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m. Just to <laughs> go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. Parenting is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.